used to think about immature things. You know, like, do you love me? Do you want me? Are you gonna call me like you said you would? Is this really your real phone number? Books, yeah, this week. yeah, and just in the past two weeks, I've got 12 now trying to become That's a crazy. prolific narrator off route, like your, your third life. My third wife, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was a uh, doing a little bit of black voice today black voice you give us a sample i mean i pretty much just talk (laughs) 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 oh lower it a little bit say four instead of four oh that's deeper yeah grant doesn't really have a black scent not really it's kind of like grew up in Chicago Midwest and then on my white side we'd go to Tennessee a lot and that's why I speak so slow you know so yeah speaking yeah, of slow been, is good. Uh, I've been told I sound southern when I tell people where I'm from who don't know and they're like oh yeah that makes sense your accent I'm like, I don't really do I have an accent I just talk real slow you you do kind of have a southern accent you know it's like a sprinkle if there's a seasoning of kelpie you know it's like it's in the word accent it's it's in the word accent because grant just said accent and kelby said accent yeah uh that's, yeah. you know i didn't notice that but, you know. it's the eyes and the e's it's the same in oklahoma if i you know am around okies too because i was i took a what where's your accent from i took that new york times quiz and it's funny because i was born in fairfax virginia and it put my accent as uh richmond virginia so i don't actually have an oklahoma accent but like uh 
here is the same thing. People will say like pillow instead of pillow and pin instead of pen. Uh, so it's just like, it, they just mix the I's and the E's up. That's yeah, it. it's, it's like a South thing. It's the way you said Virginia too. Yeah. Hmm. Virginia. Yeah. Virginia. <laughs> you sound like Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. I look like Jodie Foster too. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, fuck I like can't Jody remember Foster. what Jodie Foster looks like. <laughs> she looks like me. Yeah, she looks like David, but with a little bit longer <laughs> hair. Or not even. She keeps oh. her hair short, right? Yeah, yeah. She's a lesbian. So I look like uh, an old, like, I look like a 59-year-old lesbian. You know, I just Googled some images. She, you know, I thought you were joking, but she does look like she could be part of your family or something. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like she could, she looks like she could be kin. <laughs> yeah. Kin to the Osbournes. Yeah, I would love to be related to Jodie Foster. Your book sales would go through the roof. That's right. I would put that on every cover. I'd be, it would be Jodie Foster's cousin. J. David Osborne, and then in parentheses, Jodie Foster's second cousin, twice removed. What does twice removed mean? Uh, they got divorced a couple of times. Is that really it? Is that I don't, no, I, I didn't. I, I sounds didn't think good. No, I don't. I just, I just, <laughs> I was just asking. I didn't actually think that you guys were gonna know that. Um, <laughs> we were set up just ask kelby and grant a question about th- something <laughs> scientific question i got a, i got a question about genealogy for you mm-hmm. hi everybody welcome to agitator my name is grant womack that is oh no 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 we're not kelby losek <laughs> and today oh, no, on the no, show and I'm yeah. Jay David Osborne. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I can't take this musical chair shit anymore. I'm not, I'm not doing it. My chair, is, my chair is the most musical. No, fuck that, bro. My my chair has got bars for days. Bars for days. Whatever, dog. I'm, I'm I was listening like... to the Drought Three last night, bro. It's been forever since I listened to that mixtape. That shit is so good. I forget. I forget every once in a while. It's like I texted Kelby. I said, I think uh, Danny Brown and Lil Wayne are my favorite rappers. Uh, And he was like, yeah, duh. And uh, (laughs) but like I forget. It's the weirdest thing. I forget about Lil Wayne. It's it's like, you know, when you get it, you know, when you get high and once you're high again, it's like you never left. You're like, oh right, yeah, back, yeah, I'm back in the zone. It's like that for me with Lil Wayne. But then when I sober up, aka, stop listening to Lil Wayne, I just completely forget. You know that happens to me every time. I'll go back and listen to Dedication or one of those right. mixtapes, and I'll just be blown away, and I'll be like, man, Wayne is amazing. You know, but I just think because he's not as prolific i know he's on a good feature run this year but he's not like going crazy dropping mixtapes and albums the way he used so he had one with uh rich the kid and i'm completely uninterested in that i don't know who rich the kid is and i don't care yeah rich the kid's not that oh he's he's prolific you know was that and he has a hot song was that the one where they're like babies on the cover 
Yeah, yeah, they're babies on the cover. Sorry, uh, my neighbor, yeah. my neighbor's mowing my lawn right now, so I'm trying to mute it when I'm not talking. Trust but yeah, that's babies. that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. It it was interesting. Was it? Yeah, okay. Rich the, Rich the kid is kind of eh, but um, it it had uh Wayne is kind of rapping with that kind of style that like I don't I don't know what you would call it, but that like, like new yeah the like new SoundCloud post SoundCloud. Bah, 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 exactly yeah like yeah. yeah you've got wheezy kind of rapping like that so it's interesting yeah i guess i maybe i'll check it out i also noticed that the mixtape was an hour long and rappers have got to stop doing that shit these tapes are too fucking long give me a 30 minute tape that's all i need i think that's what they're doing these days it's like 20 minute 28 minute really because like, father's new album and it's like 28 minutes Oh yeah, so, father too. I father always forget so about good. father. Yeah, and he's yeah, he so good. Young hot ebony too. Stop album. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's that guy loves pussy so much. He does. <laughs> <laughs> he has some crazy lines on this new tape too. I was just like, wow. You know, I'm out of the fucking loop, man. I'm out. Of, I was going down memory lane because I was listening to uh, uh, what was I listening to? Mike Jones and then Paul Wall. And then I started listening to Rich Boy, and then Rich Boy reminded me of the song from The Drought, right? Where yeah, Wayne raps over uh, throws some D's, and then that got, and then I just went down a little Wayne rabbit hole on YouTube, and I was just like, I was, I was like, oh yeah, I was going, I was listening to like uh, the Carter Three and No Ceilings. No Ceilings, I think, was big, which isn't, you know, if you if you ask most people, No Ceilings isn't usually at the top but it's a personal personal favorite of mine so yeah i was i just fell down a little weight rabbit hole it happens that's that's what happens to me maybe like two or three times a year i love watching these old videos too uh like still tiffin is i don't know i just i love the backyard like somebody's barbecuing and you know, it's just, you can, you can see that it's the girls from the neighborhood. So they're like a neighborhood nine, but a real life five or a six. Yeah. <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> but it, it just looks like so much fun. You know, it looks like everybody's having such a good time with their cars and, and the music's great. I genuinely, I'm not just saying this to, uh, you know, because Kelby's here, but I genuinely think that Houston rap is the is actually the best rap i just think i think that they the screwed up stuff is just it's the pretty best. dope the whole swisher house you know yeah when i sent you black gypsies it slowed and throwed you know you did yeah you want to yeah. put that in the book by the way the slow the slowed and throw that would be funny you know, on the title yeah. page you know let's do it yeah fuck it you know Let's talk. Oh, by the way, um, listeners to the Agitator podcast who come here for Japanese movies. Um, <laughs> today we're talking about uh, World of Kanako 2014. Uh, let me look up the director. This is not a super prolific director. Um, uh, no, not the novel. It's based on a novel uh, by somebody who I just clicked away from, so I don't remember the name. Uh, <laughs> Tetsuya Nakashima is the guy. And apparently he did a movie called Confessions. After this, he did It Comes. I was 
I did a dive into his movies also last night, and they all actually do deal with uh, young teen culture in Japan for the most part. His movie Confessions is about a mother who's taking revenge because her daughter gets uh, sold into prostitution and killed. So the themes of the world sure. of Kanako are, are in this guy's movies. He did one called Kamikaze Girls, which is about the, you know, the baby doll, hyper pop, colorful uh, Japanese chicks. Uh, so he's definitely, he's definitely got kind of a theme, but he only did one movie after World of Kanako. And I have a theory that this movie uh, might have ruined his shit, you know, um, because of how it was kind of universally received. We can, we can get to all that uh, later. I just yeah. wanted to kind of throw in that we are, we are actually going to talk about a Japanese movie on this podcast that's, too. That's but, a good point. Yeah. But we have uh, Grand Womack back. Hey. and i don't have an echo on my uh voice this time so. <laughs> uh, yeah. we're on zoom i'm just doing the, zoom yeah. the ethereal have have met up in the clouds for a an even an evenly toned and leveled uh you know i have a little sage burning too so it's real real spiritual there we go yeah we're getting real spiritual but on this on the same astrological plane this time I bro, I listened back to that episode. We've done some funny ones. Our episode with Marcus is really funny, uh, and we've done ones that are really good. But I don't know if I've ever laughed as hard listening back to the first Grant appearance. The echoey voice just fucking got me every time, dude. Whenever you would have a just a short answer for something, but it would be crazy echoed out it just i was crying listening to that episode. <laughs> you know so that funny. was a pretty funny episode it's an alzheimer yeah that's yeah. that's for the real the real fans the day of og fans it's like episode 11 i think yeah and that's yeah the, my, neighbor, my neighbor's mowing sorry about that can you guys hear that can you guys hear the, mowing hear in the background no, no? Okay, sorry. Yeah, I just my uh, my alcoholic neighbor is a really a delightful guy, and I mean that sincerely. Uh, he mows my lawn, and he decided to do it at eight thirty tonight, which makes sense because it's hot as fuck outside. So I mean, mm-hmm. I mean that it, does it, make, it sense. make sense. Yeah. yeah, I'm doing like the last construction job I have on the docket for the foreseeable future. I'm doing tomorrow, like early as I can in the morning, because. I'm not trying to still be out there pouring concrete shit at like noon. Uh, fuck no! Like Is it? Death. And I'm assuming I'm assuming it's hot as fuck where you are. Oh yeah, Hun- too. Hun- hundreds. Oh wow. Yeah, we're in the hundreds too, and we've been humid, we're, which is we're weird. in the nineties. Y'all are yeah. in the nineties. Yeah, I mean, LA. nineties. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is humid as fuck in LA too, right? I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. We probably have pretty similar heat because I'm right next to the beach and it's like hot as balls. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, hot as balls. <laughs> All right, go ahead. We want to talk a little bit about Black Gypsies, but we want to save that for later. Uh, 
Yeah. So for listeners of the podcast who come here again for, for Japanese film, we'll talk about this at the end, but Grant, besides being our friend, is also a very talented writer. And he, he wrote a book called Black Gypsies that's been in the works for a long time. Uh, wow, Grant, yeah, has, Grant has uh, revised and he's also stuck it out through some uh, through some ups and downs in the in the Broken River journey, uh, but Black Gypsies is going to come out real soon. Uh, it's a really good book, and we're going to talk about that because we have a lot of listeners on this show now. And our main thing, me and Kelby's main thing, and Grant's main thing too, obviously, is writing. So we're going to talk about the movie first, but we are going to talk a little bit about Black Gypsies at the end. We're gonna talk about its controversial, offensive title that yeah. uh, you know makes people not want to work on it and stuff. Um, <laughs> talk about all that. <laughs> we'll talk about all that at, at the end. But I will say that we actually, to be fair, right? Because you know, gypsies is a slur, right? Uh, yeah. We do have a book coming out from a gypsy next year, and it's called Roma Niggas. So it'll it'll all balance out. <laughs> Is this a real book? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was I was gonna. I was I, like, where did you find this gypsy writer? I knew who you yeah. might have been referring to, and was like, damn, he went that hard. <laughs> I was thinking of a certain writer too, and I was like, I I can't see him doing that, you know. No. Well, we no. Uh, Broken River is all about fairness, right? Just just equilibrium, you know, making sure that everyone is equally offended. Which it's it is really funny to get. It, you know how there are some things that are immediately offensive to people, and you kind of get it, right? Like if you call someone a faggot, right, or like a hard R or something like that. Yeah. In America, in our cultural context, you, you understand that immediately. But then Gypsy is one of those ones where it's like, oh, bro, you're, you're digging, you know, like you're, you're, you're <laughs> trying to find the offense in that word, really. I mean, and it might be different. Like if you're uh, Brad Pitt and Snatch, you might take offense to that term. But in, in America, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Like I would, I would present this. It's like a lot of people don't even know what the word kafir means, but kafir in um, in South Africa, it's like their N word, basically, right? It's like remember *Lethal Weapon* two, where he says like he shoots the guy, he goes like decaffeinated, right? Like yeah. That's <laughs> it's it's their version of the N word, and if you say that shit in South Africa, people will. I don't know, cut your balls off or something. I don't know. That's it's, a pretty it's, crazy it's line, decaffeinated. Decaffeinated. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you see what I mean? It would be like if if you were like uh, <laughs> black cat, I don't know, calf or something. And people are like, um, excuse me. I'm like you haven't heard that word in three years. You have no idea what, what so you're probably even banned about. in uh south africa or and in south africa for sure they'll put a fucking tire around your neck and light you on fire you'll get that, my, that you'll, you'll get necklaced i'll tell you about the south african girl i dated in uh korea she'd be pissed you know? 
She'd give <laughs> yep. an entire lecture about it. She'd be like, you, you can't you do dated, that. You dated a South African girl in South Korea. Sounds like yeah. a song. That sounds like a beautiful song, actually. Yeah. Maybe I'll rap about it one day or something. You know? Maybe. You could. Yeah. Who's yeah. stopping you? No one. Who's going to stop me? <laughs> Who's going to stop me? <laughs> Who's going to stop me? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just having fun being myself again. Oh, I feel so good. This episode, it's, it's great. I'm David. Hello, everybody. I'm David. <laughs> we so i i love how freaked out you got on that last episode i got freaked out but listen so grant you know the story about grant morrison writing the invisibles right yeah how he put himself into the character of king mob and you know, flesh uh, eating yeah right so in the in the comic right he gets key 23 and he thinks that his face is melting and then real life Grant Morrison developed a flesh eating bacteria on his face. So after Kelby and I do the episode, I'm feeling a little weird about it. And I, uh, that night I'm in bed and I kind of, I, I scratch my ear and I scratch it somehow. And my hearing goes out completely in oh, my left shit. ear. It's just gone. Like my hearing is gone. And so that whole next day, I'm dealing with not being able to hear out of one ear, which is fucking weird. I mean, it throws off your equilibrium. It's a it's a pretty trippy psychedelic thing to completely lose your hearing, but it comes back, whatever. But I'm telling Kelby about it a few days after. I'm like, yeah, dude, I lost my hearing in my left ear. Bro, Kelby can't hear in his left ear. Wait, hold on. You can't hear in your no. left ear? Yeah. He was like, yeah, he was like, it's real trippy when like you I don't know if you've ever lost your hearing. I was like, I can't, I'm deaf in my left ear. Wow, <laughs> this is crazy. I'm like more impressed with Kelby's audio narration work and rapping abilities now. Yeah. Doing yeah, it with one ear. Good. Yeah. <laughs> o- only on my right side. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah, that's the blood side, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I'd have to consult the Urban Dictionary about. I that. mean, the left side <laughs> is crip side, apparently. But oh, that's allegedly. Right. That's right. That's allegedly, right. That's right. Snoop Dogg said that in the song with Pharrell. Yeah. Drop that's it how like I, it's hot. That's how I know that. Um. All right. So, the world of Kanako. Um, I was telling these guys off mic, but I'll tell you, the listener. Oh, hold on a second. Huh. You know, did did your hearing come back? Oh, it's back. Yeah, it's back. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, he's That's... he's not being me anymore. <laughs> no, dude. I swear to God. I swear to God. The episode came, it was out for. Uh, we recorded that on a Monday, and the episode came out on Thursday. And my hearing came back on Thursday. Like once the episode oh, came. Oh yeah. Oh god. Which is again very very bizarre. Very bizarre shit. Um, it is bizarre. And that was like, and the, the ear was like numb too. I don't know if it was a sinus thing or what, but it felt like I touched it weird and then it went like, and it was just gone. I was like, hello? Uh, hey. And I was like kind of tapping it. Like I had a mic in there. I was like, uh, uh, and it, the whole, the whole ear felt numb. So I have no idea what the fuck happened, but we don't, some people don't call 911. I don't go to the doctor. So we just, we thug that shit out and then hope that it comes back which it did so yeah. you know what made it come back on thursday i ate a big bowl of spicy pho 
which I truly oh. believe to be medicine, like better medicine than actual medicine. Like if you're fucked up, like if, you're, if your tummy's bothering you, if you got a headache, if you're hungover, whatever, right? Eat a big bowl of pho with a shitload of sriracha and jalapenos and it just clears you out. So that's- You know, one of the hardcore listeners is gonna get like COVID and do that like yeah. David told me. And then they're gonna fucking die. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I really feel no sympathy for anybody who listens to me. I'm just like, really? <laughs> you took my advice, you fucking retard. Um, I did. I did. We we weren't on a we weren't on mic, were we? We not. I took your advice. I was like, I found for- some shrooms in the drawer. I'm a take oh that's for, right right for right, world right, right. of kanako and you were like so, oh yeah that sounds like a great idea no i did because here's the thing i have seen this movie before i saw it when it came out in 2014 in oregon with my buddy eli what's up eli um and we i'm a bitch when it comes to pot i've established that on this show before i have zero tolerance for it i don't like it this is probably one of the hundred times that i've done it because even if I hate something and I know it's going to fuck me up, it still takes me about a hundred times of doing it to not do it anymore. So this is one of those times. And I take three baby hits of whatever mutant Portland strain this fucker has. And I'm just high as fuck. We're in his couch. We're watching world of Kanako completely lost, completely scared, completely dish up. Like no idea what the fuck is happening in this movie because it's so fast and so fucked up but uh those were my memories of it and kelby hit me up on the text he's like hey i just i found you know it's like i found a gram of uh of shrooms in my stash he's like i'm gonna take it and watch this and the the angel on my shoulder was like you should warn him about what's going on but then the devil aka the thing that runs this podcast was like (laughs) just let it slide just let it go just tell him it's a good idea it's it'll be fine it'll be really good (laughs) <laughs> i told rio that she's like she's like that's kind of fucked up that's kind of mean and, I was like, <laughs> and the, you know my response was really like what? legitimately i was just like he'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> it's true it was it was your intuition you know it it was a hell of an experience which would yeah so we'll get into that what what is this movie about right i can wait should I take that or should Grant? Do you want to try to describe this movie? I can, but I'm I'm off. How do you describe this movie? I guess I could try to do this. So there's this. Correct me if I'm wrong. So there's this uh, ex detective, and he's a bit of a sleazy slimeball alcoholic, and uh, he's been he kind of fucked up his life his with his daughter and his wife. He gets this call from his wife, and she's like. Where's our daughter? How do you say her name? Uh, uh, Kanako. 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 Yeah. So he's so you know he comes over there and uh, goes on this crazy search for his daughter, but he doesn't know his daughter because he's been out of her life forever, and it's just such a fucked up story where we alternate between the past and the present of him going into this drug filled criminal world and then we kind of fill in the blanks as he's going 
throughout this narrative. Um, I don't know. I feel like I don't even know how to explain that. Is that accurate? Well, it switches <laughs> it switches narrative too with the uh, the boy. Oh yeah. So yeah, like yeah. it's bouncing around between past of how he fucked up with his wife and and daughter, and the present of her being missing and him searching for her and at the same time we're getting hints and slivers of what she's been up to through this like actual narration from a, a high school like victim of hers in a sense like this this kid who was like bullied who she befriends and kind of like plays into his uh sort of infatuation with her because uh, she it turns out kanako is kind of a tomie figure really like yeah 100 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep yeah i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad you said that because very specifically she sets men off by laughing at them same as tomie right yeah it's pretty crazy yeah this is like yeah. tomie noir yeah right Right. So Grant did a, a good job at the at the setup there of what's going on. We got Akikazu uh, Fujishima, who is uh, this, in my opinion, this is one of the just best movie performances I think I've ever seen. Like, I, I think he's so enigmatic and uh, well, I don't know if enigmatic is the right word. He's just a psychopath. Right. Yeah. But he, he plays the psychopath so well. I mean, when you compare him with other bad cops. I'm thinking specifically of Harvey Keitel and Bad Lieutenant or Nicolas Cage and Bad Lieutenant 2. Because my movie knowledge is just, it's limited <laughs> to very few films. Um, films where they're called bad. Where they're called bad. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, he, he does this so fucking well. He's good. He's in 13 Assassins too, the, the Mike film that we haven't covered yet. Uh, but he's, the, he's kind of the main guy in 13 Assassins also playing a very different role. Um, but yeah, so he's called by his wife to try to locate his daughter who's been missing for several days and he delves into the world. He starts interrogating her classmates. Uh, but it also turns out that he is probably one of the most misogynistic characters who's ever been committed to film, which I, I could not have loved more. This entire movie is just him calling women bitches and, and slapping yes. them and punching them, raping them, kicking the shit out of them. I mean, it. I was just like, wow, you know. Yeah, he. Hold, but he I did hold, love like, it too. Yeah, he can't. He can't talk to a woman for like three seconds without slapping her <laughs> and calling her stupid. I mean, I've never seen anything like it in my life. It's a true Me revelation either. of filmmaking. I mean, it's, it was just incredible, but like. So he he goes into this world, like Kelby was saying, concurrently, there's a story of Sigon, who's this kid who's bullied in school. He gets his ass beat. The violence in this movie is crazy. Even when this kid's getting his ass kicked, it's like highly dynamic and impactful and whatever. And he so he basically, he's got a wall full of pictures of Kanako where, that he jacks off to. And he, he thinks that she's great. He uh, is trying to get close to her because her, her boyfriend, Ogata, uh, has recently killed himself and Sigon and Ogata see them see each other at a at a water fountain and they're like he's washing himself off from uh, getting his ass beat and Ogata's washing himself off he doesn't know it at the time but from getting ass fucked by all these old people because Kanako basically seduces boys and then gets them drunk at parties uh, and then 
you know, rich, you know, like the head of police, politicians, celebrities, old like Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, yeah, it's a Jeffrey Epstein thing where they they fuck these kids in the ass, right? So, um, which does end up happening to Seagon, right? It's pretty rough. It's, uh, I mean, everything in this movie is so fast, which we'll get into, but it's pretty graphic, right? So he gets he gets raped and then beaten up and thrown in the river. And then he kind of goes on, this all happens three years before the, the main plot line, which is what leads to a lot of confusion, right? So it cuts between these two things. And he basically goes on a, this spree he cuts this woman's ear off and beats the shit out of her. Um, he hits her with a bat. And then he eventually finds Kanako in this hotel room. And she's, you know, tells him that she loves him and that he can be her boyfriend. And then uh, Matsunaga, this uh, Yakuza guy with a bunch of face piercing, comes up behind him and fucking stabs him in the throat. That's the end of his story, right? Uh, in describing this movie, the, this doesn't this doesn't happen linearly, right? So like the end of Seagon's story and happens pretty close to the end of the actual film because we're watching these things happen concurrently. Um, and then uh, to get back to Akikazu, kind of the main story of the thing, he's, yeah, he's basically trying to figure out, he, he thinks that Kanako basically got involved with a bunch of bad guys and that they might know something about where she is. And so he has to deal with this like giggling cop who's always sucking on a lollipop <laughs> and and he get he just he gets the shit he for as much as he beats up women he gets the fucking tar beaten out of him constantly in this thing with pipes and bullets and fists um because the yakuza are looking for kanako because kanako and this matsunaga guy who is a high he's a yakuza but he's also a high schooler I think, or like a dropout or something like they're in love and they have decided to take the photos of all these powerful old men having sex with children and blackmail them with them. So the Yakuza are after her. Uh, the police are after her because the, the um, cops are implicated in this. Everybody's after her. Uh, but, you know, spoiler alert, she's already, she's been dead for a, a long time. So um that's pretty much it, right? I mean, like that's that's the plot, basically. I mean, Akikazu, yeah. uh, you know, blazes this trail of destruction. He like he rapes his ex-wife. He uh, he finds the cop who's basically doing the the dirty work for these old perverts. He's he's a hitman who really loves killing, but also has a, a nice idyllic family. Uh, so he finds that guy's wife and rapes her. Um, it's fucking like there's there's no there's no good guys but i i just found this movie so fucking entertaining and and nasty and vile and not even without a moral center but seemingly completely uninterested in even mentioning morality you know what i mean like it's it's just it's it's not it's an afterthought in this Yeah, it's well. If there's any kind of sort of pure center, which there's no morality to ground it in, still because it's just so naive and like youthful from the perspective of a uh, what was his name, Saijun, or the the bullied kid, Seagon. I mean, he, uh, he. I mean, he's not a nasty individual, but. Uh, 
yeah no the, the movie itself is not coming from any kind of moral standpoint but i felt at the end of it as nihilistic and as fucked up as it is and like is definitely the bleakest most fucked up movie i've ever seen hands down and i felt very human at the end of it like i didn't feel gross so i i think this film was like for me it felt like a successful exercising of like the darkest most depraved demons yeah it was pretty uh crazy like i get what you're saying with the bleakness how dark it is definitely one of the most i was totally unprepared like i've seen a serbian film and a bunch of other fucked up movies but i was thinking of the main character similar to like uncut gems how mm-hmm. he's just mm-hmm. such a slime ball but it's almost like they crank that shit up another 50 percent on top of that and it's just great like it's so at first i was like what what is david got me watching you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. which usually i have this effect on other people so I was thankful to watch this and that I was invited to talk about this because it's such an amazing experience. Like I I had some vodka last night and I think I was watching it at midnight and the pace was just going so crazy. I was like, what is happening and what is going on? And I, I had to just turn it off last night, not because it's too fucked up, but so I could retain it, but Today I finished it, just everyone's got to watch it. Like the pacing too, like so amazing. And that yeah, contrast yeah. between the uh, kind of like Seikun, is that his name? None of us know how to say it except David. Sigan, Sigan, yeah. Sigan, Yeah, Sigan, he does get presented as such an innocent kid. He just gets so fucked by life. He gets Literally. such a bad card. I'm just like, is this kid's whole bloodline cursed? What the hell is going on, you know? And then finally things start to get better. But where the hell was I going with this? But yeah, the contrast between like the crazy violence in the present and then sort of that happy innocence and magic of like high school, I guess, or being youthful and you still kind of have some sliver of innocence. And then that shit just goes out the window you know so well done yeah i want to really quick touch on a point you said that you had watched a serbian film which is interesting i was listening to the perfume nationalist today uh, and they talk about a serbian film and that shout out jack shout out fella it's a great episode everybody should go listen to that but the thing about a serbian film is that it is very from the beginning it is made to be understood to be about about evil right? About uh, the most depraved, awful. I mean, you know, you got somebody pulling a woman's teeth out and, you know, choking her to death with his dick. And then, you know, the the guy basically raping his own son at the end of it. I mean, like, it's, it's so far, as far as movies go, that it's, it's more of a cartoon examination. It's a great movie, like a cartoon examination of evil what I think is so startling about the world of Kanako is that it's just not remarked upon. 
You know what I mean? Like the evil yeah. in this movie is just kind of, it's another shot. That's just like, <laughs> that's just a part of the same. There's like the Kawaii dancing with like you know neon scribbles going on the screen yeah. mixed with mm-hmm. a, a, a you know pedophile getting stabbed in the hand mixed with the yakuza getting a foot planted inside of his cut open guts uh mixed in with you know akikazu uh raping a woman basically in front of her child right he closes the door he, yeah. so he has he has that he has that much courtesy or whatever um it's literally in this movie, and this is what I think throws people off, right? You can People can hate or love a Serbian film, but everybody knows what a Serbian film is. And I yeah. think what disturbed people about this movie, which uh, I was reading some some reviews last night, and, and people, people get mad about this movie, which is how you know it's good. Uh, <laughs> what I think makes people mad is that the movie is literally, I've never seen a movie that has just, never had a commentary on the bad things that are happening in it like this one before it's just like here it is yeah yeah you know i think the biggest representation of evil in this movie too is that uh lollipop cop yeah i thought y'all cut out for a second there no i was thinking about it because i'm like he definitely is one of the biggest because he's just laughing at everything like nothing affects him emotionally at all exactly yeah you know it's just this empty like even like i would say the uh the main uh detective dude the fuck's his name again Um, uh aki Aki i was just gonna call him aki aki yeah (laughs) Uh, like aki is definitely i mean uh, evil probably like evil as shit but i in my life have known like at least one person i would consider truly evil and they're straight up like that just like unaffected yeah. by anything and just will laugh at the worst shit going on so yeah, that guy, once it got to towards the end when they're all getting in the car and they're speeding to catch him on top of the uh, the parking garage for that crazy ass showdown. Um, when he's laughing outside the car in that scene before he hops in to go catch him up there, I was, that's when it really hit me. I was like, this dude is the fucking devil. Yeah. Right, right. Because it's, it's not that he's unbothered by anything. It's that he thinks that it's all amusing. The one part in this movie that I really cheered at, because a lot of people get hit with cars in this show. Oh, yeah. like, people are always getting hit by car. This cop gets hit twice by a car. One time he gets <laughs> rammed. And then the last time we see him, it doesn't kill him, but he gets fucking, uh, you know, sucked up UFO style into space by how fast Akikazu like runs him over. Yeah. <laughs> And that was genuinely satisfying. All, all the violence in this movie actually is pretty satisfying because it is be, because everybody in the, like there are movies where the noir protagonist gets the dog shit beat out of them. And you're like, Oh man, fight back. But even when Akikazu is getting beat up, you're kind of like, you're able to just sort of enjoy the violence for what it is. Cause it's like, well, it's not like a good person is getting beat up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not like a, it's not like a person with an actual soul is getting beaten up. 
because that's that's kind of the thing of the movie right is that like kanako is his daughter and she's a psychopath he's a psychopath everybody in this movie pretty much is a psychopath except for that one girl who tases him i think she's probably okay yeah she seemed pretty okay but yeah the evil i mean they do yeah it's never that direct it's kind of like you know the old girl at the end of the movie who's trying to dig out kanako um she calls her evil i think she may have called aki evil one of the yakuza calls kanako evil um and i just think about that like the genetics of it energy like did she inherit this trait from him because he's pretty right. fucked up and evil you know is this his influence was she always like this was it just inevitable you know yeah i mean it it does seem to be saying something about um parental responsibility there was one i can't remember which interaction it was but there was one interaction between characters where uh and it might have been aki and his wife where uh she kind of threw it on him and like the whole situation that they're in and uh I was like, damn, I mean, if if this movie is saying anything, which if it is, you just have to take it subconsciously because it flies so fast and it doesn't linger on shit. But um, I don't know. And as a parent, I was just thinking like, you know, like this is obviously some major parental neglect going on among <laughs> all, yeah, all yeah. the kids in this movie. All of them, yeah. Yeah, so a couple of things. First of all, since we've mentioned it so many times, I'm going to actually throw this in here. Uh, I went back to the movie and I found a, a minute of it at random and I counted the shots in this movie. And in one minute, there were 41 shots. <laughs> which means if that pace is kept up, which it kind of is, that means that over the course of a 118 minute movie, there are uh, 4,890 shots in the movie. Now, for perspective, I looked up online the fastest cut movies. Um, number one is Doomsday, and that was 4,502 shots over 105 minutes. Tra uh, Transporter 3 has 3,360 shots over 96 minutes. I did, I, did, I did some quick math, though, on all of this, and the world of Kanako actually has the number one movie beat by, like, three or four percentage points. So as, as far as I know, as far as I could find on the internet, this is the fastest cut movie maybe in existence i mean i'm sure there are experimental ones where they where they do it really fast and it's it's all spoke but like in terms of a major pop release this was distributed by alamo draft house um i i think this might be one of the fastest movies that's ever been made and it feels so fucking long right because because of how fast everything is cut he starts figuring shit out and all the pieces start coming together about an hour into the movie Right. I remember I paused it at an hour and six minutes and I was like, oh, damn, this thing's wrapping up. No, nah, dog, 
you got another hour in this movie. And I li- I remember thinking to myself when I did that, I was like, where the fuck are they going to go for an hour? Like, there's another hour of this shit. You know, I, mean, I, was I, excited. I did wonder where, where it was going to go to. I was like, so much has happened already. You know, it's got to end soon. Yeah. But- but that ending in the snow is so beautiful and so tragic. But at this, and it is heartbreaking because you do get a little bit of like compassion, like you you're allowed some compassion because you do feel for the chick who lost her daughter um, due to Kanako. Or no, her daughter was a daughter. She didn't lose the daughter, but Kanako pimped her out. Yeah, 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 that's right. Kanako pimped her out, and yeah, she was not none too pleased with her. <laughs> she was none too yeah. pleased. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah, she, no, she, uh... she became a murderer that day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she did, which a lot of parents, I think, could definitely relate to. You know, yeah, I, mean, I would straight up murk the fuck out of any if, if I you would have Kanako. If, yeah, if a kid came to me and was like, Guess what I got? <laughs> you know, you know, guess what I got? You know, so and so, and I'd be like, No. Like I would just shoot them in the head, and then I would yeah. just, I would just, I would eat the charge and be like, okay, yeah, no, it's, it had to be done. So yeah, basically, as I said at the at the beginning of the description, Kanako has been dead because a few days before Akikazu even begins his search, she goes to uh, one of her teachers, whose daughter is one of her classmates, and because Kanako is this sociopath, like she, the actress who did this, I think fucking killed it right because the the ability to be like the word is kawaii right it's this japanese word for for cute but it's a very japanese thing with like the baby doll dresses and giggling and you know just acting super cute like her ability to like balance that it never comes off as campy or over the top uh but like watching her you're like that is exactly what a sociopath would be like yeah. right to somebody who's empty so she takes her teacher and they're sitting in the teacher's van and she shows her pictures of her daughter getting fucked by old dudes and <laughs> this lady just straight up <laughs> after crying for a little bit fucking stabs her with a screwdriver uh and kills her and then buries her in an undisclosed location and the movie ends with the longest shots in the movie that are still not very long but when you've been sitting for an hour and 50 minutes with this rapid fire pace the fact that the ending 10 minutes is paced like a basically like a normal movie it feels very reflective and uh, you know you feel like you're out there in the snow because akikazu finds her he figures it out he figures out that, that she killed kanako and he decides that her penance for this whole thing is going to be that she's going to locate the body that she buried in like three feet of snow it's the dead of winter and dig her up because it's kanako's birthday right because kanako would be 18 on that day and of course she can't find him And the movie kind of ends with uh you know she tries to escape a few times and he beats the shit out of her she beats the shit out of him with a shovel but he's like as we've seen throughout the movie a guy who's been beaten with a lead pipe and shot he's kind of on he's this you know, we've all met people like this, right? Who are just kind of tanks. Like they're not buff, they're not tough, but they can just take a beating. Like that's this guy, right? Like he, he just he never, he never, yeah. stopped. that's you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he's so me. 
He's so me. And then so he was like, me. bitch, bitch. I was like, damn, this guy is like. <laughs> when, he's, when he's raping that woman in front of her son, Kelly's like, yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> but um, I mean, he was called everyone bitches left and right. That's, that's the only thing he calls women is bitch. Like when he goes to Matsunaga's mom's place, which is this fly infested, disgusting tenement apartment. And she's this, you know, uh, kind of pie face fat bitch who lives in filth oh, yeah. he just starts he just starts beating the fuck out of her like take care of your I fucking was, kid yeah i was like whoa <laughs> <laughs> oh. they would say how are you you know like yeah. i'm going to fuck you up yeah. that's that's what it was actually the irony of that scene uh when he comes in and he just immediately is like scolding her like you the fuck is wrong with you take care of yeah. your kid and everything it's like bro really and yeah, that's, look at yourself. That's when it kind of hit me. I was like, you know, if anything, this movie has a lot to say about, you know, it's kind of like when people will, I'm not into like shit that really bumps me out, like real life shit, like investigation ID and stuff like that. But when shit happens to kids on the news and then people start fantasizing, like if that was my kid, I'd fucking, I'd get that motherfucker and I'd tie him up by his toes and this and that. Like this movie feels kind of cathartic in a in an and like throw in the most evil shit you could think of in a box and just not having it go well for pretty much anybody Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah, no i like that i like that i like this idea of the revenge film because there there are revenge movies like old boy where at the end uh you know this guy has hypnotized him and made his made him fuck his own daughter uh, and then there's I Saw the Devil, which I think is maybe one of the best revenge movies ever because the protagonist is chasing down uh, this serial killer who killed his wife, but he doesn't want to he doesn't want to put the bullet in the guy's brain. He just wants to torture him. So he keeps like beating the shit out of him and letting him go. And every time he lets the guy go, the guy does something progressively more fucked up. Right. So by the end of it, everything sucks right like this this serial killer has essentially ruined the cop's life because he he couldn't he wanted to draw out his revenge to the point that it ended up consuming his entire life all these movies you know make these really interesting points about like what revenge is but i think that the world of kanako might be better than those movies because of its emptiness right because because of the um just complete sociopathy on display does that does that make sense i don't know if Mm -hmm. that made sense yeah that makes sense yeah it's it's like a revenge film for the viewer not for anybody in the movie oh that's a fucking great way of putting it thank you yeah that's perfect yeah it's actually doing the revenge film by like you get to see everybody get revenged on right yeah like like you're not you're not in the protagonist's body being this weapon of vengeance you're just seeing everybody get shit on but everybody deserves to be shit on <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of nice it's, except for poor poor little seagun gets stabbed in the throat but um back to that scene at the end right where he's he's forcing this woman to search in the snow that's when it all kind of clicked for me, right? Because this movie is definitely about, uh, well, it's about, a, it's about parenthood, essentially. It's a fucked up way of looking at parenthood. 
but yeah. it's it's very much about how kids kind of take off on their own. I'm thinking specifically about the scene where Sion goes home after being raped uh, and decides to go on his own uh, revenge spree and his mother's trying to stop him and he beats the shit out of his mom. And he's got like, he's got a little cartoon bunny on his jeans, which I thought was like a really nice touch of just this, you know, this little sliver of childhood on this, uh, this kid who's been so uh, violated in such an adult kind of way, you know, but there's nothing that the mom can do. Like he pulls a box cutter on her and is essentially going to kill her if she doesn't let him go out and take his revenge right so there's at a certain point with a child there's nothing you can do secondly though and most obviously it's about how parents don't involve themselves in their kids lives at all right because every parent in this is a deadbeat every parent doesn't know what's going on with their kids every kid can't relate to them kanako's last speech as she's bleeding out in the van is explicitly about how the woman who just killed her doesn't understand her own daughter who Kanako has been pimping out, right? She's like, you don't get it. You don't know her. You don't know what she likes. Like she liked doing this and you wouldn't know that about her because you don't know her. Um, and I think that the ending of the movie in, in the snow, how, how long it takes, how tedious it is. I think that this whole movie really works as a, a metaphor for raising children. Cause what do people always say when you have kids like, cherish it when they're little because it goes by fast yeah, yeah. it goes mm. by fast so so what does this movie do the whole movie goes by so fast even though it's long it goes by really really fast and when you get to that end scene when kanako's gone kanako's dead she's buried under snow she's gone off on her own akikazu has squandered his relationship with his wife and his daughter He's only able to achieve a facsimile of an actual familial relationship by literally beating and raping his wife and screaming at her to make him breakfast in the morning, right? Like he's completely fucked it up. But then once they're gone, time slows back down. You see what I mean? Like time slows back down, but they're already gone. And it ends with him saying like, I'm going, I'll, I'll find her and I'll, I'll kill her. I'm going to find her and I'm going to kill her, which is that whole thing, right? Like I brought you into this world. I'll take you out of it. Yeah. What this movie is saying is like, no, you get you, what you do, everything goes by really fast. And if you fuck it up, you get to spend the rest of your life digging in the snow for your kid's corpse, metaphorically speaking. Yeah. yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. That's some deep shit. Yeah. And by the the effect it had a mushroomed mind because it's such a strobe effect like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's such a strobe light paced movie that like the first of all, all the it, it elicits this vibe of like upper anxiety mixed with euphoria kind of like being on ecstasy and speed at the same time which is something that i used to do a whole lot I like had that same exact feeling come rushing back to me, especially when they like with all the party scenes and stuff, I was like, Oh my God, like my heart was jumping on my tongue. <laughs> and, and it's this, this weird, like detached sort of dream state where the violence occurs 
and, and like it's it's visceral and it's satisfying like you said in a way of like seeing this like crazy violence and not really giving a fuck who it's inflicted upon because they're all shitty but like at the same time it has some sort of level of detachment to it like if you're dreaming and your dream is extremely violent but you feel kind of outside of yourself so it's not like you're all the way there it's just like blood is splattering on the wall and you're just like oh look at that that's crazy um that's kind of how this movie feels too in those scenes and that like the alice in wonderland symbolism too whenever she like she's always reading from alice in wonderland and she uh talks about falling down the hole and or she describes it as a tale where this girl alice finds a rabbit hole and decides to climb into it and then she just keeps falling and that's like the the vibe of the whole movie until you come crashing into that end scene where i was just like by that time my heart's racing and i wanted it to keep up the pace because when it slowed down i got freaked the fuck out i was like (laughs) can you can this please be over (laughs) (laughs) it does go on right i mean the ending it's it does that thing that you see so rarely in american movies where it has a coda movies in america don't have a coda they end but i see it i see it more often actually in korean films than japanese films but there's always this third part to the movie after you think the movie is over where they're like nope now we're going to investigate the consequences of what happened in in the climax but no, I feel you. I wasn't high and I still, uh, I was like, is this, how much more movie do we have left? Like, yeah. I refuse to check the time in moments like that because I feel like it kind of breaks the spell if I know that there's like two minutes left. But I don't know. I was, uh, I was really kind of caught up at the end in the, in the brilliance of the whole thing. And it was like all the parts were kind of clicking together for me. And I, was sort of able to realize what a great movie I was actually watching at that end, which is, it's kind of cool from a storytelling point of view, you know, we're all writers here. It is kind of cool actually to give readers a bit, because, you know, as, as writers, right. When you get to that climax, when you get to the end, you're trying to fucking end the book, right. You're trying to go out with a bang, but the idea of a book or a movie going on for an extra, you know, 30 pages or 15 minutes it's kind of compelling to me because now you have to think now you have you, you don't get to just shut the book or turn the movie off and go about your life now you have to think about it with the movie or with the book yeah 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 i mean i was sober today watching it um and my heart was racing i had major anxiety throughout the movie but in a good way um it was definitely thrilling and then at the first i think like i think i said this off air um the first 10 minutes or maybe i thought this but the first 10 minutes i was just kind of like i don't know if i like this or not i was like this is moving so quickly and so fast but then you just sort of adjust to it. I feel like someone kidnapped me and threw me in a van and they're going 120 miles per hour. But it's so great. 
And like you said, towards the end, once it slows down, I was like so impressed uh, by all the storytelling elements, even that Alice, like none of the elements are just sort of thrown in there. Everything's carefully thought over and interwoven into the narrative. Like it's so essential, but yeah, by the end, I was just sort of floored that we had to go through this, you know, third act. And I did just kind of have to lay there in bed for a good 20 minutes and think about this movie and let it absorb, let it uh, percolate, let it marinate, you know? Yeah, it did make me think from a storytelling perspective too, that it would be fun to, um, cause you, you couldn't make, how I typically do with like having sort of ideas and some notes and then just writing the main thing like in, you know, four or five days, um, you couldn't make this shit up as you go. Like all the pieces are there and this is like very scrambled up and mixed around the way that it's delivered. Like you have to know everything that's going on in this movie. If you're the one making it, like you have to know everything that's going on first and then rearrange all the pieces in this like chaotic scrambled manner, which would be a really fun way to, uh, Actually, I think the thing that you and I grant are one of the things that we're working on, I think would be interesting to to sort of put in that that scrambled, jumbled narrative. Oh, that is a good idea. Yeah. Because I was trying to think about the storytelling in this movie and how can I apply it to my fiction or like future work because it's so well done and I'm like, wow, maybe I could have extended this story or that story to kind of show that, but that is a good idea. I did think like, I don't know, I assume both of you have probably read Clive Barker, complete, you know, but Books of Blood, I think I had a similar feeling reading some of these short stories back in the day, way back in the day. where there was a few times where I would think it's about to end or it's going to end or like the midnight meat train, completely different. But he never shies away from showing you like the end and then some and then the consequences. You get what I'm saying? Or is that yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's like not many people do that. I didn't read Especially. the I didn't read the midnight meat train, but I saw the movie. That's such, that's an excellent film. That would be so fucking good. Um, But yeah, I think that when you're telling a story, I just, I don't know. I feel like everybody's been psyoped by this three-act structure and this idea that we're supposed to have a client of like a rising action to a climax. And then, uh, you know, maybe like a a five or six minute denouement where people fucking you know they're having like the best movie that had a commentary on this was pineapple express you remember at the end of pineapple yeah. express they're they're at, they're at a they're at a diner and they're fucking like they're they're literally just recapping the movie they're like remember the part where you did you know that oh, that yeah. was that was a great commentary on the whole movie structure that we're all so used to where this kind of stuff happens and then you know, at the end, everybody, uh, you know, 
we flash forward three months and, you know, everybody's wounds have healed and they're meeting up and they're like, what are you going to do? And the hero puts on sunglasses and says, I'm going to go on the next mission. Right. Uh, but what happens in those three months? Right. I mean, what, what, what does actually go on? What is the, what's the point of telling a story if you're going to leave out all the interesting stuff that happens after the bad guy's dead? And I think that uh, especially Korean movies, but Japanese movies to a certain extent as well, are really good about investigating that question. They, they basically say, you know, the story's not over. We're not, we're not done just because the bad yeah. is dead. Yeah. Ja- well, Japanese, they kind of seem like they uh, revel in that berating you, like, you know, now what did we learn? Yeah. <laughs> you did the bad thing. Did you learn anything from? <laughs> yeah. That is how it feels. You know, be a better parent. Take care of your kids. Talk to them. Engage with them. You know. That's what every time we get canceled on this show, one of our uh, Japanese listeners emails in and is like, what did we learn? <laughs> <laughs> The answer is every single time. The answer is nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. We, we ju- you just keep doing the same thing. If Kelby and I have learned anything from doing this, it's that uh, we say things and then people get upset and then we ignore them and our audience just gets bigger. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's really there's in terms of risk reward, there's really no. I don't know. It's just, just kind of makes sense to do that. But um, so overall, I mean, this movie's got, if you're a gore fan, I think it's some of the best gore I've ever seen in a movie, the most realistic. It might be a factor of how fast the movie is paced, but the blood spurts, every time Akikazu gets hit, by the way, it's really funny. There will be this, you know, flash card on the screen of like blood black blood splattering against oh, yeah. a red background, which I think it's really funny that he chose this uh, Seijun Suzuki, Quentin Tarantino uh, pastiche mode for the movie because it doesn't fit at all. It, it truly does not fit the tone of the movie because it's, it is not a slick, cool, fast-talking, uh, dialogue-heavy... Uh, like Nobody in this movie looks cool is what I'm trying to say, right? Except for him kind of at the end when he's covered in blood in that white suit, that does look legitimately tight. He kind of does dress cool too. Like you yeah. would he dresses expect, cool. Yeah, you know. he dresses cool. Yeah, he's got cool sunglasses. He's always smoking cigs. Um, yeah. But like, I, I think that the people at Draft House who distributed this movie, um, I think that they might be retarded and they might have been taken in by the whole uh quentin tarantino thing but i think i think that's a big joke right because i think that this guy chose to appropriate this kind of grindhouse style uh but he's like but no but i'm gonna do it for real you know what i mean so it's like this kind of uh you know graphic at times cartoonish bloody violence because you know, by the way, how about that that ending scene 
with the the hitman cop on the top floor of that parking garage, right? I mean, fucking when they show the top fucking scene, yeah. When we get that top down angle, because it's obviously you know they're bleeding, there's blood spattering, they're shooting each other, they're punching each other. Like he shoots his wife like three times. He's like, "Could you forgive me?" And she <laughs> yeah, spits in his she, face. <laughs> she 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 just got raped, and and he's she didn't know that he was like involved in all this dirty shit. And this is, by the way, this is a character who we have spent zero time with. But as is the case with a lot of Japanese movies, which I appreciate, it, it they have this amazing ability to make a character who just popped up feel like the whole movie's been about them right like yeah all these characters who've been at who've been in just a completely different movie to show up right and it's this family man his his son is in the back seat his wife is duct taped uh you know titties looking all weird from being tied up um just got raped by our our hero actually and he pulls the duct tape off her mouth and says like uh yeah about all this can you forgive me and she spits in his face and so he just shoots her but it's not like a clean movie shooting. He shoots her once and it doesn't quite take. So then he shoots her again and he shoots her again. And you just kind of see that with his son in the back seat, right? And as is the sort of mode of this movie, completely unremarked upon. We're on to the next thing, like three seconds yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh God, when, that, when the son is like in the cops and everything, they just drive away and then the sun is left there and you yeah. know nothing good is going to happen for the rest of his life again. yeah that's I was right about like, that. that's i was right. like fuck i, w- I want to just see, hold my son <laughs> like, i know dude but you see how this movie and this is a point that you and i have made a lot on the show kelby is that you see how effectively this movie makes points by aggressively attempting to not make them you see what i mean yeah. like it's it's aggressively forcing you to just like think about something for a second and then then we're on to on to you know Matsunaga in a body bag with a yakuza dipping his fucking snakeskin boot into his intestines you know what i mean it's it's so adamant about not lingering on any kind of moral decision that it gets under your, this might be like this movie might be a top fiver for me actually after this rewatch it's definitely like one of my favorite movies this year like top because i was already trying to think like what's the top movies i've watched this year but it's definitely going up there in like maybe top 10 top 20 at least it would have to be another conversation but but i get what you're saying with the uh it makes these great points without forcing it down our throats. It's kind of like this weird negative space that you kind of have to take a step back and see or sort of ruminate on. So, Yeah. You're a hundred percent allowed to like all the complaining that, you know, I've done before about movies until I, you know, decided that I'm not watching anything ever again that i think looks like dog shit but my big complaint with movies like is shoving everything down your throat it's like i'm not retarded like stop beating me over the head with this this is like the complete opposite of that it's not Mm -hmm. gonna tell you what to think about anything 
<laughs> it's not even gonna allow you time for it it's just like all right on on to the next scene on to the next thirty thousand frames per second yeah and that i think is where most of the bad reviews came from because people are babies just as a, a side note it's it's not relevant to but i was looking up goodreads reviews for coin locker babies which is our next episode there's a lot of one all of murakami's books have like three stars on, <laughs> on goodreads because it's either people who are you know giving him a five or giving him a one and everybody who gives him a one is like this is disgusting it's it's gross it's it's not you know it's like oh you're you're a little baby yeah you, you need you need someone to to hold your hand and tell you what's good and bad and i i, I just i don't think i've ever seen a movie that so adamantly refuses to tell you what to think at all and i think that's why like i didn't even feel bad at the end of this movie i felt very alive because Mm -hmm. i was completely allowed to explore my own feelings the whole time i was never being told what to think or who to root for or who to root against it was all just presented and it was invigorating and it was disgusting and at yeah. the end of it, I had all my own thoughts with no interference. And I was just like, I feel like a person from watching, like probably how some like, you know, no, no shade, no shade, but like some basic Southern Baptist type, you know, uh, standard moviegoers who just like everything. It's like Armageddon. That was a great movie. Uh titanic great movie you know it's all just that type of person might feel at the end of watching like facing the giants or some shit like that's how i felt at the end of this movie i was like wow i feel like a person (laughs) i get what you're saying i mean i think david said human did you mean you mean remember the titans (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe you know i was confused i was like what is facing the giants this is a big movie i never saw but i'm not saying anything (laughs) i'm sorry grant you were making a good point please continue i I just i had had, but it was a good uh, you made a great point there so it's all good but yeah it was invigorating at the end it was disgusting it was like thrilling i felt like it was this amazing roller coaster it did make me feel alive or it's kind of like i made this big intention at the beginning of the year to kind of like consume a lot more art that moves me and makes me feel something so this movie definitely fulfills that ticks that box and fulfills that intention and that goal for me because it's kind of like i felt everything and then some watching this movie, you know, so. Hell yeah. Yeah. Good shit. Okay. All right. Uh, end movie talk. That's the end of that. Hope you all enjoyed that. Now we are coming to the part of the, you know, I, Agitator is a show that normally runs about an hour. We've been doing this for like an hour and a half. But uh, I'm really inspired by uh, Jack doing a five-hour Silent Hill 2 episode. 
So uh, we don't have to go for five hours, but I also I also don't feel bad about it being an hour and a half, and we're still going. Okay, so, I was just looking for my monster can when you said that to uh, <laughs> take a to piss on Mike, but uh, <laughs> there's okay. So there's there's one thing that I want to do, which is I'm going to stop recording for just a minute because I had to switch my internet connect. Okay, tell me if this is crazy. So I was using a VPN and the connection was getting bad. That was when our voices were clipping and shit. So I switched over to my regular internet. We're still on Zoom. So this is still recording to Zoom, Yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, the, so changing from the VPN to my regular connection isn't going to fuck up the episode, right? Because no. I've, been, I've been thinking about no. it this whole episode, like that I'm going to no, get something that's all fucked up. Yeah, that, that little red light is still blinking at me. It's still watching me. Yeah, nobody yeah. got kicked off. Everybody's still here. No, so that makes it still recording. So what we okay. found out is your VPN don't work. <laughs> the VPN, the, the VPN, government. dude, the the whole VPN thing, I think I think it's all fucking fake. Like I don't I have it. I paid for it for two years. So I, I have the VPN and that's cool. No, they can never find you for any <laughs> whatever dude <laughs> fucking whatever it does keep uh movie companies from sending me letters in the mail which i have gotten before without a vpn for downloading movies um so that's good i guess but uh okay. i don't know what do you guys want to tell you, you know, guys want to talk about black gypsies yeah i want to talk about black gypsies but you know speaking of vpns and the government you know, last night I woke up at like four in the morning hearing this crazy sound. And, you know, I watched too much conspiracy theory shit. So I heard mm-hmm. this weird high pitch frequency. And I immediately thought to those people, you know, like whistleblowers who talk about like they're being stalked. Gang stalking. Gang stalked. And they're sending these microwave frequencies to fuck with your brain. Cause it was kind of giving me a headache. And I was like, you're being fucking crazy, Grant. You, you're not exposing anybody or anything, you know? But I was like, what if I accidentally did, you know? Because, you know, in my last newsletter, I was talking about Jeffrey Epstein's uh, billionaire mentor who's dead mm-hmm. with a Jewish demon, you know? Um, Wait, hold on. Yeah, Back up. Little, what? Which which newsletter was this? So I read your newsletter. This was a this was the one before Kelby. Did you read that one? Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. So uh, Whitney Webb. I'm pretty sure you know who Whitney Webb is. Oh, right I love there. Whitney Webb. She's yeah. Great. So she posts it. She's writing a book, and yeah. she put an excerpt of her book out, and she was exploring Jeffrey Epstein's mentor. Forget his name. But they did like a New York Times like profile on him. And he was talking about the, I forgot, I don't know how to pronounce it, the Dibiuk or whatever. Uh, the Jewish, yeah, Dibit. Um, the Jewish demon. And he was like, I ride around in a car with it. It encourages me to buy up properties and Yo. my greed, it just feeds my greed. And he openly That's talks cool. about this shit in the entire article. Let's you know. go, yeah. Alex Jones. <laughs> Alex Jones. Yo, no, all this shit is true. All this shit is true, though. It's it's fucking real. I mean, so 
I feel like people can get wrapped up in this kind of shit. And I think Whitney Webb is great. Uh, she's cute too. You ever seen her? You ever seen a picture of her? You know, I've seen, I thought she looked kind of plain, but maybe I could see theoretically her being cute. I could see like, yeah. if Grant's she gotta be, guess, they, they have to have like fake asses and lip gloss for Grant no, to be interested. No, <laughs> no. If, if they just look like a normal woman, Grant's like, ah, I'm not seeing it. I don't know. What is it? Is I'm it? sure if she could get spruced up, you know, she might be a little, <laughs> hey, Whitney Webb. A little sexy. Whitney Webb. Whitney Webb. <laughs> Get 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 spruced up, you dumpy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna be like Grant hopped on there and they started objectifying women, you know. So. No, she looks good, man. She looks good and she's really smart and uh she is she's really, really smart. good. I love her articles. She's, you know. Yeah, she's good with all this conspiracy stuff too. And I think that you can get I can I think you can get too lost in the weeds with a lot of this stuff, but yeah. I think it is good to have a baseline understanding that these people are actively being skin ridden by ancient demons i think that's just i think that's just a good baseline thing to understand and i'm i'm being dead serious about that like everybody i agree with you whether it's fucking donald trump or hillary clinton or jeffrey epstein or uh you know barack obama whoever right like all skin ridden by demons and I think like the world starts to make a lot more sense. The the trick is you don't start thinking that, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna change the world. I'll just load up this 45. You know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna fix all you don't you don't fix it. You don't fix yeah. it. No, yeah. it's just part of exist it's just part of struggling through this incarnation is knowing that yeah. there's that here there be demons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's a hundred percent it. So I, I definitely do like that, but sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, a new article from, um, what's the, the mint press, right. The, the website that she is on all the time. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Like drop a new article and it'll be all about digging into the origins of COVID or this it's stuff that ostensibly I'm interested in, but I'm like, Man, I'm not gonna read all that. TLDR, yes. like I don't know. Like, <laughs> no, that's me too. I'll try to bookmark just, some shit. I'm like, I'm I'll gonna take read your word all for this. It. You like if you, if you if you tell me COVID's fake, I'm like, I've been there. I've already I've already think COVID's <laughs> fake. So I don't need any convincing that COVID's fake. Same. You just want to give me some bullet points. I'm good with that. But like, um, so I yeah. And if you've ever listened to these, because I've listened to Unlimited Hangout, her podcast. Uh, yeah with uh with some people and it's always you know it's all about the web of connections of people and i get so bored it's just names right and they'll be like yeah. and and so and so jack smith he actually golfed with howard hughes and th- those people are important and i'm like bro i don't just tell no, me that's, like, that's, that's why i Alex thought was one of those so whitney webb episodes i was like this is intriguing, but it's kind of like, yeah, the babysitter and the golfer, the caddy, they're all right. connected. And I'm, my mind's supposed to be blown. That's cool. But, you know. I just get bored, bro. And it's like, that's why Alex Jones goes so hard because he's just like, uh, you know, they're literal vampire demons who want to suck yeah. your blood. <laughs> they, want your, they want your kids to be fucking, uh, they want your kids to be trans vegans 
and you know all this kind of shit right and i'm like yeah okay i'm good with that like i'm the yeah. alex jones tip i'm you know yeah where he brings us out of bohemian grove and he's like all your presidents and all your politicians are dancing around naked in the woods as we speak dude yeah. alex jones is the truth 100 like i will never back down from alex jones defense because he has because i feel like he's like me you know i mean he's kind of retarded uh but he also kind of gets it i've always felt like that was me right like i'm i'm kind of retarded but but i also kind of see things you know what i mean and uh i might not be as studious as whitney webb or as articulate as some other folks but I really identify with just this big barrel of like this, you know, just an alcoholic human being who's just like, everybody's a fucking demon. I feel like I really relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're not giving yeah. yourself enough credit. But, I agree but, with you on that. Cause you're about what? what? Uh, about being articulate. Yeah, I think you're a lot more articulate than you uh, realize, even on these podcasts and in your writing, and you know. Oh well, thank you. The only real smart people are the people who you never hear from, are people who are inventing anti gravity technology. It could not be fucked to tweet about a TikTok video. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. None of us so are smart log on because Twitter we're all, every day. We're all on Twitter, so none of us are smart. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even Neil deGrasse Tyson, he's he's not there. smart, bro. He's not smart. Like, he's, he he's, just wants to ruin everyone's fun every day. Yeah, he can you catch know. these hands. Yeah, you know, he, dude, one hundred percent. I'm glad you said that. One hundred percent. I would fuck up Neil deGrasse Tyson if Neil I deGrasse Tyson. start beef with Neil deGrasse Tyson. I would hate crime the fuck out of Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. I'd be right there cheering you on. <laughs> I would be texting you, know you on. I'd be texting you on Signal. Like, that's a great idea, Kelby. You should do that. Did, did you see when B.O.B. Uh, and him had a uh, little rap beef? I, d- I do remember that. B.O.B. <laughs> is another actual... Uh, you know, he's a, re- I have a lot of respect for him because he is retarded in the Alex Jones sense. Yeah. Right. So uh, the book opens up in a barbershop. This is the much discussed barbershop scene that you and I have gone back on. There's been yeah. a lot of work that's gone into getting this barber or no, not barbershop, tattoo, tattoo shop. shop. Um, tattoo shop. Yeah. Again, God, racist. Am, he just assumed. I, you know, I actually have <laughs> another book with a barbershop scene <laughs> opening. You know. I love that. I love that as soon as you get accused of racism, right? If, as soon as you get accused of racism, there will be a black person there who will be like, "I mean, that's kind of that's kind of true, though." I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I was I was gonna do that. Um, no, it's at a tattoo shop, and uh, an old head is talking to a young uh, Jack boy car thief. Well, he's not a car thief. He he steals parts off of a car, right? He, they'll take yeah. their tires and their ribs and shit like that. Um. There's a shooting that occurs while he's getting a tattoo. This is the stark opening of the book to kind of put you in this world of the south side of Chicago and these uh, young black men who are 
engaged in a kind of a dog eat dog feral existence, right? So we have our hero, uh, he encounters some, some enemies on his walk home. I, I think that this scene is particularly well done because it's not overly, you know, the bad guys don't come out and say like, what are you doing walking around here? Yeah. They say, uh, you know, they're like, hey, come smoke with us. And, you know, and our hero is like, okay, cool. And it every threatening situation I've ever been in with people who are kind of like this uh, has played out like that. I often say that Mexicans are really good at this, right? Like if a, Mex- if a Mexican who's, well, I should say a cholo, right? Like a cholo type person. If they ever, if you don't know them and they get way too overly familiar with you, that means you're in danger, right? That means that there is, there is trouble because yeah. strangers should always be standoffish. And if they start to kind of pretend to be your friend, uh, you might be, you might be in for something. So the book goes on from there. I think that it does a really good job of touching on without lingering on, uh, kind of aspects of this life. Uh, our hero, uh, his friend, uh, Gordo is particularly obsessed with his clothes, but he's a big fat fuck. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of humorous shit with that. Um, they go to some parties. Uh, our hero meets a girl uh, who he starts to fall in lust with. Um, lust in the middle of the book, yeah, in the middle of the book, there is a inexplicable and completely amazing hardcore sex scene that, it, it, as far as scenes go in the book, it's the longest one. And uh, I think both myself and Kelby encourage Grant to not cut it, but to in fact make it longer and more explicit. So there's a lot of, you know, choking on Dick and, you know, it's, it's these two characters, but the whole book stops for a whole chapter so that we can get a play-by-play of them fucking each other, which I thought was really cool. I thought that was super great. I had had no notes there. I was just like, (laughs) yeah. It's like she pulled his dick out of her mouth and you know there's like vomit like a, a string there's like of drooly you know yeah. mm-hmm. porn quality head going on you know? and he like throws her up against the wall like it <laughs> it's no kind of gentle like you know i've i've done not nearly as much editing as they but i've done like some editing on the side or you know beta red for people um which I call Sigma reading. I've done some Sigma reading for people. Uh, and, you know, doing the, like, audiobook narration and shit. People do sex scenes, and it's almost like they all went to the same school of virgins who are just, like, trying to imagine what sex is, and they're being all delicate and using weird terminology for cocks and pussies. And reading your straight-up pornographic horny aggressive like play-by-play was so refreshing oh dude grant fox man grant fox yeah (laughs) you know my you know my least my least favorite uh euphemism for a pussy is is when they say you know he slid his member into her sex calling a pussy like a little sex is like the most ironically the most sexless thing you could possibly call a pussy like I've never once looked at a pussy and been like, ah, her, her, her glistening sex. And, but people, people use, people use that shit all the time. And I'm like, they bro, do. just call it a pussy. Like everybody, pussy makes me feel warm. 
you know like the, does, the word yeah. the word makes me feel like i'm curled up in front of a nice fire uh it immediately calls to to mind a nice pussy because you never think of a bad pussy when you hear the word no. pussy right no. like if, if somebody's like uh you know she she took off her panties and you saw her pussy like you're never like imagining some fucking some like roast home. beef looking ass <laughs> no nah, you don't think about that shit that's funny uh so i mean i yeah i feel like the 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 sex scene the book is is well written and i think that it it's very effective in what it chooses to do which essentially boils down to uh you know money stolen from the wrong people type scenario right yeah. like these yeah. our, our characters steal some money from people who it shouldn't have been stolen from and shit goes down the way it goes down no spoilers on this show yeah no but spoilers we i keep coming back to that sex scene because i think that something that kelby and i talk a lot on this show about is uh tonal shifts in narratives and how interesting they can be and um I think that Black Gypsies is really good at providing a kind of uh, pace and tone of a narrative, right? Uh, and then in the middle, completely jarring that with this sex scene. And I hope that people who read it uh, really get that out of this book, right? In, in addition to being, you know, there's more this book than in kelby's by a by a country mile i counted them and yeah, i said like, is... like how many grant i texted you, you said you said over a hundred there are over a um, hundred yeah yeah and this is a this, this is a very is a 30 black book, book. yeah mm-hmm. and right. this is this is a, this like is like black a, characters this is a thirty thousand left book. and right yeah <laughs> like oh you can tell it was written i have a theory that most um of these people with fake African names on the New York Times bestseller list, that they're all middle-aged white women and <laughs> and they're all libtards, right? And so they've got this in their brain that like if they type the word nigga, that they're gonna like go to hell or something. And so, or that the whole facade is gonna break and everybody's gonna find out that they're white and it's gonna be not okay for them to say it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you never see it in the books. And I'm like, this is not a black yeah. book. There's not a single right. N-word not. in here. Yeah. It's, there's right. no way. Do you know what black people say more than anything? The fucking N-word. <laughs> like, yeah. All yeah. the time, dude. All the time. Because it's an amazing word. And, you know, it's it's one of the best words in the English language. And black people should use it as much as they want to. And so should white people. Um what? Why is that fun? <laughs> but yeah, Black Gypsies, very black book. Chicago. I'm very excited. You know, very excited. Very inspired by Chicago. You know, for a long time, I was sitting here waiting. I was like, all this crazy gang violence is happening in Chicago. Like, we don't just have Bloods and Crips. We have like gds and bds which is like gangster disciples black disciples latin kings and a lot of people don't know about them but it's kind of like oh, i thought you made that now, shit up i thought you made the gangster disciples up that's no real that's real like little dirk chief keith all of them they're all like right. BD, okay yeah like that king bond yeah. getting shot all that sober like that type of gang shit you know like little dirk's dad is like a high ranking i can't remember if he's a bd or a gd i think he's a bd 
Um, but he's like very prominent figure in that gang too, you know. So a lot of this inspired it, and you know, you go across a lot. Of, you come across a lot of people who will kind of like if you wear the wrong colors, like even if you wear black socks, hat, and black and white, you know, they may come to you and be like, "What's up?" You know, "What do you rep?" Ooh, it's too easy like to aim for a target sitting on a fence. Yeah, yeah. So, so for a while, I was kind of like, when are the crime writers going to write about like GDs and BDs? And they call them BDKs, GDKs, you know, gangster disciple killer, black disciple killer, all that shit, Chief Keef, all them. But I never saw anyone write one of these books, you know? And like you right, said, right. you didn't know until today that these were real gangs, but they are, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, and that's why I think, and that's kind of been the whole mission of Broken River since its inception is to is to find writers like you or David Simmons, right, who's got a book coming up around the same yeah. time as you, um, who are doing interesting shit that isn't getting the attention from the mainstream. So. I think it fits in very nicely. I think we've got a very nice Matthew Rivera cover for this one. I think that it's a book that I'm proud of, that you should be proud of, and that yeah, people, I don't know, man, I have a good feeling. I feel like people are going to read your book. I feel like, I, think uh, so too. I feel like Broken River had to go through this weird uh, hiatus period or whatever, like soul searching kind of thing. And then, you know, I wrote some books, linked up with Kelby, started doing a podcast, uh, you know, a lot of the no country podcasts that I do with Chris has helped. And I feel, I feel like it's ready to come back because I feel like broken river has always, um, I don't know. There's like an unspoken thing about the press, right. Where it's just, it's just a vibe. Like you're going to yeah. get something different. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of respect for it. I feel like, Every time I post about something, even like I'm kind of sort of on Facebook again, um, people get excited and they're always like Broken Rivers back. You know? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's like, oh, I thought that guy just became a Nazi and disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, you're, you're only half right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> No, but it's been great merging the podcast with the like, you know, since the beginning, it's been like, you know, we're writers and we're friends and we started this because we talk on the phone all the time and might as well record the shit and center it around some kind of art that we're fixated on. But like the, uh, What the, where the fuck was I going? Oh, yeah. So in doing that and people realize, like coming to our art from being fans of the show, building a fan base where people actually fuck with your shit and not just yep. being stuck in a writer circle of yep. like people telling you to mind your manners or we're not going to publish you for the 12 other people to buy it in the circle. Yeah. Like people read all over the place. Like That's right every time i see somebody like well people don't read anymore i'm like you should slap yourself in the face like really should people never stopped reading y'all just don't know how to write cool shit and put it out there for people the thing is they don't really care about readers like mm. 
it's bars. all it, like it's it's just Those all staying bars. within that circle yeah no that is so fucking true dude and i think that broken river started off as my attempt to just do something really cool so you know i came out the gate i had a stephen graham jones book jed Ayers, william boyle uh you know two two of those authors have gone on to have massive success and i attribute that to them being just really good authors who people like to read and i put out a bunch of books every single book i put out i'm proud of i think that i built a kind of a reputation for doing cool shit be that's right that's that's right that's right yeah we reworked zero saints we we reworked (laughs) zero saints um yeah we reworked that book to 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 make it you know to make it pop right but um but i think that it was necessary to kind of like especially with the kind of cultural moment that we had uh that i think was really deadening to a lot of people's artistic impulses i think that i i i basically 100 credit a few things uh the first is actually kelby my friendship with kelby i think really uh Kelby's ability to not give a fuck and to just be chill about shit and also be really good at what he does. I, I find that inspiring uh, yeah. every day, Same. every day, every time that we talk. And then the Perfume Nationalist, which is a, a podcast that has said some wild shit, uh, most of it true. Uh, but Jack's ability to, you know, champion a, an artistic and aesthetic impulse and uh kind of a pleasure seeking um motive over everything else has like every time i listen to that podcast i just and listen to to him and his guests talk i i get you know inspired to say you know fuck everybody like this is what i do um those two things i really needed in my life uh to be able to surmount this cliquish uh, hole that I found myself in where everybody's just like, you know, oh, don't do this and don't do th-. like, I, I just, I don't care. That's true. I mean, I had to go through a similar thing over the last few years. Even Kelby helped me too, because I'll text you Kelby and I'm like, is this too much? Was that sex scene too much? Are they going to call me misogynistic, you know, because of Twitter? But then you kind of get that fuck it attitude where it's kind of like, what does it matter? Like, I'm trying to make art. I'm not trying to please my next door neighbor or Joe Blow or James Patterson, you know? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's a journey. Twitter especially is kind of like just a circle yeah, jerk policing especially in the writing community i saw people get yeah. so angry about the james patterson thing i said crown me a river but mm-hmm. these people wrote like entire book threads on it like yelling and i'm like okay I, I don't ever want to get that worked up about something like that you know yeah if you have an opinion about james patterson you are gay <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, with a capital F. <laughs> <laughs> you are gay with a capital F. 
Well, fellas, that is a that's a two hour episode, and I I feel like I kind of feel like this might be the best one yet. I'm really excited about this episode. So, um, any parting thoughts before we go? I think people should watch Road of Kanako, smoke more weed, you know, so Twitter doesn't get them all riled up and uh, buy black gypsies, buy God's leftovers this August. Oh yeah, God's leftovers too, which I also read uh, and worked on. Did I work on that one or did you send it? You did actually, I think that may be the one project I paid you to help do some edits. Yeah, yeah. There's been a couple more like revisions, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And you also also paid me, you paid me $5,000 to be on Broken River too. So there's, there's that. No, I'm just kidding. Dollars, that's, <laughs> that's, that's not. That is, no, that's false, actually. You know, that's a so. that, that is a not true statement. But yeah, no, I did. Yeah, I remember. I the only reason why I asked is because in the past seven years, I think I might have worked on three hundred books in that time, maybe three fifty. Yeah. It's an insane number of books, and I, I'm that still doing insane. it. I'm still. I'm working on a book right now. It's just what I do. I pick up a book. I see the same problems. I should I should write a book about the things that I see in editing, and then help people to to read it. Because I'm like, oh, there that there that thing is again. They're doing that thing. <laughs> that becomes your best selling book. You know, probably, <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> I just see so much. I just I don't know. I don't know. I see really good books that just need a little bit of tweaking. I see really bad books. I mean, it's everything in between. But yes, buy Black Gypsies, buy God's Leftovers. Uh, Pay attention to Broken River because I haven't said this on the show yet, but tentatively, no, you know what, definitively. We're back. We're back, baby. We're back. We're back. There's a lot it's of good me, shit cooking behind the scenes. The rapper eater. <laughs> feed me, feed me, feed me. No homo. <laughs> yeah. One time for me, one time for the DJ. He be Cali, I be Louise. Baby, if you ask me if you're nasty, creative, gifted, bastard, spit sporadic. I'm so diplomatic, democratic. Touch it, bring it, push it, systematic. Damn right, I kiss my daddy. I think they pissed at how rich my daddy is. And I'm his kid, I stunt with my daddy. Call Miss Lee, she with my daddy. So this me and gone diss my daddy. Cause who was that when no one wasn't just my daddy? Who was that when I needed money? Just my daddy. So who be that when I see the money? Just my daddy. Who said that I'll be the one? Just my daddy. Hello, hip hop, I'm home, it's your daddy. When I say these, I don't mean the caddy. I mean these nuts, acorns and cali. Rick Ross tip, stunning fat joke. And I can't, can't, can't forget Briscoe. Ooh, yeah, I just watched the bullshit with so. It's a bakery here, just trying to get dough. Shout to my dress, my H's a cheek coach. You're looking for me, ho, I'm in the 3 0. I'm the best rapper alive. Homeboy got a mind that a map wouldn't find. Homeboy got a nine that a cop wouldn't find. But I could get to it even if I was blind. Like a scary movie, they screaming when I rhyme. I'm a king, you could ask Steven if I'm lying. I'm a prince, too demanding like my mom. Too bold, too cold like West Salam. Me, me, it's all about me. If the girl got a voice, then she tell about me. Me, he say, she say, I say, me will be in the MIA, me with me. 
and T and Big Ronnie and the homie streets, probably somewhere on the beach. And Tez and E, probably somewhere in the Jeep. And Marlon and the Phantom with Mr. G. And me, me, it's all about me. Play with me and it's all out beef. Beef, yes, chest, feet, tag, bag, blood, sheets. Yikes, yeeks, great, Scott, Storch, can I borrow your yacht? Watch me and my clique go all out. Like the ball in the stands, we balls out. Boy, I don't know what y'all about, but I just spit like a dog mouth. Pink ice just looking like a hog mouth. Mm, I had to bring the hog out. Yeah, like them trees, bring along out. Every day Christmas, I'm eggnogged out. And hip-hop is my new bar house. My flow just grew legs and walked out. Bye.